0: We're going to go ahead and dismiss uh, children for Children's Church if they want to meet uh, their teachers out in the, the lobby area. Um, I don't know if you notice, but there, there's something that's um, happening in my life. I guess it's always been there, but I just believe we were created for more. Does anyone else believe that? I mean, imagine if you had no, I know this is hard to do, and I'm gonna ask you to do it again later, but imagine if you had no concept of Christianity, no concept of scripture, no concept of Jesus at all, and you picked up the Bible for the first time, and you read in that book that when anyone comes to Christ, he is a new creation that old things are passed away and all things are made new what do you what would you in that moment think life should be like see I feel like we've been conditioned to wait for something outside us to move us when the scripture teaches that the Holy Spirit the moment we are saved the moment we give our lives to Christ he comes to live inside of us And do you know, Jesus tells a parable about 10 minas, and it's different than the 10 talents that he talks about because he gives two different parables and sometimes we confuse them. And in one of those parables, they're given different levels of talents, money, okay? The word mina and the word talent are just different forms of money in, in the biblical days. And some of them got five, some got three, some got one, talent. And you remember that two of them used their talents wisely for the kingdom, for the, the master, and they were rewarded for that. But the lazy one who did nothing with it wasn't rewarded. But then there were 10 guys that got one mina each. Now, the only thing that you and I get the same amount of is the Holy Spirit. Because the moment we come into salvation, the Holy Spirit, all of Him, comes to live inside of us. And so that is the only thing on planet Earth, we have different levels of talent and ability. We have different levels of finance and resource. We have different levels of uh, friends and relatives and different experiences. And so the only thing that is the same for every one of us is the Holy Spirit who lives in us. But it says in that, that one of those guys took the the Holy Spirit, took that one mina and multiplied it 10 times. 10 times. One of them took it and multiplied it five times. And they were rewarded according to what they had multiplied. One of them received it, but hid it in the ground, did nothing with it, just like in the other parable. And Jesus cast him out and said, I never knew you we can't keep waiting for something outside us to move us. We can't wait in a worship service for these people or that song to move us. If we're not moved by the gift of God that's already in us, that's emotionalism. Whether it's a hymn or a brand new chorus, if that's what you need to move you, it's emotionalism. Okay, if you need a certain temperature, certain setting, lights, no lights, fog, no fog. If you need an outward thing to move us, it's emotionalism. We could dim the lights. We could do what some churches do, and there's nothing wrong with what's happening in our world today, but we're waiting for those external things to move us. And because of it, by and large, the church is very immature and very weak. We struggle with sin and we, we can't let go of it, we battle things, we're not victorious in our daily lives, we gossip and we bicker and we bitter with each other, and can I, can I tell you, I'm gonna say this again, that if pollution spews out of our mouths towards brothers and sisters in Christ, I don't care if anyone else is around or not, it shows that the, the spring is polluted, and if we don't repent, if we don't come to God and say, God, this should not be. Please don't, in, in our anger, excuse it and say, well, you know, that just came out in a moment of anger. The scripture clearly says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's what it says. And so what comes out of our mouths proves what's in our heart. And that should cause us to repent regularly for what's coming out. But if we continue to wait for something outside of us to move us, we're gonna keep waiting. Because everything we need for life and godliness is in us. Now, sometimes we need to ask other people to walk alongside us and help us and do what, in fact, the scripture says that if you're struggling with sin and your hand is the cause of it, cut your hand off. Okay, now I'm not advocating actually cutting off your hand, but what I'm saying is, we've gotta recognize that nothing is coming to help me overcome that sin that I don't already possess. So in other words, I just need to to either go to someone else and confess, my hand is causing me to sin, please help me to walk, keep me accountable, help me, give me the strength, because everything I have, it's already been given to me. I gotta use it, I've gotta activate it. But some of us would rather die before we tell someone else what's really going on in our lives. Because of shame, because of guilt, because of unbelief, because of fear because of the way other people have reacted to other people's mistakes, that's the great crime of the church. Whenever someone fails or someone falls, the way we react to that person, well, I always guessed that about that person, keeps anyone else from being able to open up about what's going on in their lives. And I feel like these are things that God is sharing with us as a church not just our church, but the church in the world today. And so I would caution us to listen. I know that's kind of sobering. Um, I'm sorry if, I, if it feels like I threw a wet blanket in the room, but I just feel like um, we've, we've kind of tricked ourselves, or we've allowed the enemy to deceive us in so many different ways. Um, I, had a, I saw an image last night on Facebook of the, the sun, and someone had given a quote that, you know, the sun from that many millions of miles away can actually do damage to our pupil. Uh, how dare we think that we can casually walk into the presence of the one who created the sun? And uh, instantly, what I thought of was the eclipse, you know, and how many of us, you know, we were cautioned over and over again during the eclipse, you're going to be able to look at the sun because of the eclipse, but don't do it because you, you think you can, but that eclipse, you can still do damage to your eyes. That's how powerful the sun is. And in a way, I feel like the enemy has eclipsed the presence of God, the glory of God, the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and we don't see it, we don't recognize it until maybe it's too late. But we've been in a series over the last couple weeks called The Complete Church, and today uh, we're probably on one of the ones that I've been looking for, the last one of the series, but uh, one I've been looking forward to the most, and it's, it's odd if you, uh, if you know me, if you know my story, if you know my testimony. Uh, I grew up in an Assembly of God church uh, surrounded by the power of the Holy Spirit regularly, Um, In the church I grew up in, I regularly remember people giving messages in tongues, interpretations of tongues all the time. And in fact, uh, my mom was the tongue giver most of the time. And so as a a young child, you know, wanting not to be seen, uh, that's kind of embarrassing when your mom is the one that's always the, the one that does that in church and it just felt weird and it seemed weird. And so I grew up not wanting anything to do with the power of the Holy Spirit because to me, um, this is the excuse I use. I watch people use, speak in tongues and then I watch them leave our church and I watch them split our church growing up and I watched uh, the way they treated people and I watched my dad get wounded by some of them and uh, they, he left the church for a season. Now, you know, there are all kinds of things that happen that were abusive. Uh, There were times where, you know, the service would last for two or three hours and the pastor wouldn't even preach and everyone thought that that was a good service. And, you know, the teaching gift inside of me said, no, we we gotta base it on the word of God. And so because of the error that I saw, I ran from it. And so growing up in it, I didn't want anything to do with it until I was in Bible college as a senior. I had spent four years in an Assembly of God Bible school and still didn't want anything to do with what the Scripture says is a gift of God for me because I reasoned that I knew better. I reasoned that because of all of the bad things I had seen that I didn't want anything to do with that. And so I allowed this eclipse, if you will, in my life so that I would walk away from something that God said was a gift. Because of that, um, I had an encounter with the Lord that forever changed the way I viewed that. And it's been a process in my life and it continues to be a process. And there are times I wrestle with the fact that I had more than 20 years of opportunity to understand this, to grow in this, to learn from people that knew way more than I did. Uh, And I wasted that opportunity, but I refused to live in shame and guilt. And so, God can make up for lost time if we'll just repent. And so that's where I am today. And so in this series of A Complete Church, we've talked about the gifts of the Father, That God gives us, all of us, as individuals. They're in our lives. They grow, but they need to be redeemed. People in the world have gifts from God. They do things well, but they need to be redeemed through Christ and be used for the kingdom. Then we talked about the gifts that Jesus gives the church. And He gives us these gifts to equip the entire body so that every part of the body does its part, so that the body can be healthy and growing and full of love. And those gifts are the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. And uh, it was such such a paradigm shift for us because we live in a culture where everyone who's hired in a church ministry, full-time vocational ministry, is called pastor. Even if that's not what they're gifted in, that's what we call them. In fact, the scripture nowhere says that the pastor should lead a church. It says that elders should be chosen to lead church, and that's a different word altogether in the scripture. Now, the elders are called on to do the work of pastors, shepherds when they serve in the body of Christ, and so that's there, but we walked through that two weeks ago, and then last week we shared with you um, just a powerful message by Bill Johnson about persevering in prayer, and so today we're on the gifts of the Holy Spirit from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So if you have your Bible, we're gonna read from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And maybe while you're turning there or you're looking for that, uh, let me remind you that The Prodigal God, uh, those books are available out on the the Welcome Center. They're $12. This is what we're doing in our huddles uh, starting today if you signed up for Sunday. If you have not yet, if you've signed up and you have not yet been contacted by your leader, please let me know that today. Uh, But your leader should have all contacted you whether you're meeting on Wednesday or meeting on Sunday. And uh, today, Today is kind of a, a setup up for next week. We're actually gonna start uh, looking at this on Sunday morning, next Sunday, the prodigal God. But uh, today's lesson and then Wednesday night's lesson will kind of set that up or prepare you uh, for that. And so it kind of whets your appetite for where we're going. But 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says, brothers and sisters, verse one, regarding your question about the special abilities that the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. Now, notice it doesn't say, in this translation that we're reading, the New Living Translation, it doesn't say about the gifts of the spirit because if you remember the word charisma, grace, that we've talked about the last several weeks, the The gifts of God and the gifts that Jesus gives the church its not the same word that Paul uses here. So we usually translate that word gifts, but it is not the same word. So I love this translation that actually helps us to recognize that in our English language, uh, but it's about the special abilities that the Spirit gives us. I don't want you to misunderstand. Verse two, you know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray, swept along in worshiping speechless idols. I want you to know that no one speaking by the spirit of God will curse Jesus and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now what he's saying is you used to serve idols that couldn't speak, but now you serve a God who speaks and he speaks by his spirit. And the way we can recognize whether or not someone is uh, speaking by the Spirit of God is what they do with Christ, what they do with his sacrifice. If they, they preach the cross and salvation and faith in Christ, they're speaking by the Spirit of God. If they sp- preach some other way, I don't care how you feel about it, it's not the Spirit of God. That's the way that we, we recognize. Verse 4, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. Notice that, verses four, five, and six, they show us all three of these at work, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. All three are constantly working in the body of Christ, building His church building a complete church, and we've already looked at the, the services that, that God works in our lives in Romans chapter 12, and we looked in Ephesians chapter four at the, the ways that the Lord puts us into position, but now we're talking about these gifts that the Spirit uses in our lives. Verse seven, a spiritual gift, again, not the word gift, but a spiritual ability, or the ability to, to do a work by the Spirit, is given to each of us so that we can help each other. Now, I want to stop for just a second again and let you know, when God gives us gifts in Romans chapter 12, we possess them. Meaning, whether I serve Jesus or not, what God has given me the ability to do well, I do well with or without turning that back over to him. Okay, I possess it. It's according to the gifting that God has given me. If I sing well, I can sing well for myself in the world. I don't need to sing for the Lord, okay? That's something we possess. The gifts that God places on our lives as people in the body of Christ, apostle, prophet, teacher, elder, that comes as a result of salvation. There is no one who is not saved, who has never come to Christ that is appointed as an apostle or a prophet or pastor or teacher or an evangelist, Okay, they may have a charismatic gift, but they're not appointed until they come to Christ because Christ gives those gifts. These gifts of the Spirit are not things that we possess. These are not, it's not like I have this gift of the Spirit, the gift of healing. So now I possess the gift of healing, and I can use that anywhere, anytime, any way I want. And so I'm today after service, because I have the gift of healing, I'm gonna go up to the Huron Regional Medical Center, and I'm gonna walk through there, and I'm gonna clean the place out. I mean, after all, I have the gift of healing. That's not how it works. I have the Holy Spirit. And part of the ability of the Spirit is to use or operate in a gift of healing as He prompts. Not as I want. I mean, if it was as I want, it would happen maybe in different ways, different times, maybe more often than I see it but as he wants. And now, I believe the gifts of the Spirit should operate more often, but I don't think that you and I position ourselves or listen for him to prompt us as much as we should. That's That's just my thought. But I wanted us to understand that. So to one person, the Spirit in the moment gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives faith to another, now, how many of you know if you're in this room, you have faith because you put Christ at the center of your life and it takes faith to do that. So, what he's talking about here is a faith beyond that, okay? A supernatural faith for the moment. Um, to another, he gives the gift of healing. Verse 10, he gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. Now that is, in some translations, speaking in tongues. But the word tongues in the scripture is literally just the word languages. And so when it says they were speaking in tongues, they were speaking in languages unknown to them okay they were known to other people or they were known somewhere but they were not known to the person speaking now when we receive the baptism in the holy spirit the, the the scripture teaches us and we're going to talk about this in a moment we receive the ability to speak in unknown languages but that's not the public gift that the apostle paul is talking about right here okay they're different gifts and if you read it in context you can see how he weaves that through um, the, another person is given the ability to interpret what's being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Again, in the moment. Verse 27, let's skip down to that. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you are a part of it. Now, I want you to understand, Paul is correcting a misuse of the gifts of the Spirit or the abilities of the Spirit in the church in Corinth. So I want you, in your mind, to imagine the worst abuse or misuse that you have ever seen or experienced or heard about of the, on the gifts of the Spirit. You know, maybe you've watched something on TBN, maybe you grew up in a church that was like it, and so what happens is... The Apostle Paul hears about this and they begin to question. Some of the people in the church are uncomfortable, they write to him, and he is correcting it. So when we read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, we should not read it from the mindset that the Apostle Paul is just trying to teach everyone about spiritual gifts, he's not. He's correcting the misuse, especially the gift of tongues in the public service. In this church, People were using the gift of tongues and they were not interpreting in it. They were just letting anyone speak as loudly as they wanted the gift of tongues and there had to be no interpretation. They weren't waiting for one another. They were letting this person speak and then this guy over here would speak and he would talk over that person over there and whoever could talk the loudest would rule the day. They also had spiritual pride. They thought, you know, if I operate in this gift, this gift is superior to this gift, and so Paul is correcting all of these abuses. What I want you to understand is, just like us who have experienced misuses and abuses and we're tempted to run away from it altogether, the Apostle Paul could have shut it down. The Apostle Paul could have said, you know what? It's probably best that we just don't even do this when you come together. A couple chapters earlier in 1 Corinthians 11, remember he talked about when you come together, your meetings are actually doing more harm than good because of the way you mistreat one another. See, how we treat others in the body of Christ is way more important than any misuse of the spiritual gifts. See, there are people that today will mock certain ministries because of the the way that the gifts of the Spirit are maybe abused or misused in that ministry. And yet, the very venom that they spew to mock that person is what the Apostle Paul rebukes in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And there's actually a harder rebuke than the rebuke in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So be careful what we say with our mouths. So here are the parts, verse 28, that God has appointed for the church. First are apostles, second are prophets, third are teachers. Whoa, what are we doing? I mean, we were talking about the gifts of the spirit. These are the gifts that Jesus gives. So what's the apostle Paul doing? Some have the gift of miracles, some have the gift of healing. Those who can help others, those who have the gift of leadership, wait, that's from Romans chapter 12. What's the apostle Paul, he's showing us that the reason that God distributes different gifts at different times to different people is because he wants us to understand we need each other. No one person has all of the gifts that are needed to build a church. No one person is all the five-fold gifts that Jesus has given to the church. No one person operates in all of the gifts of the Spirit. Now, you could through your lifetime operate in different gifts, but in a worship service like this, the Holy Spirit does not wanna just tap the same person on the head all the time. He wants all of us to be a part of this. And so Paul is showing this in. So when he goes on and says, are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have power for miracles? Do we all have gift of healings?" What some people do is they say, well, see, not everyone should speak in unknown languages because it says right there in the Bible, but we have done such a disservice by taking a pair of scissors and cutting that one verse out saying, see, I shouldn't speak in tongues because I don't want to because I know more than God. I know I've been there. Because I, uh, part of what I've experienced has been harsh, and yet the Apostle Paul in this same passage of Scripture says, do not forbid speaking in tongues. Even though it was chaotic, even though there was all this abuse, he corrects it. Because anytime there is an error in the body of Christ, what has happened is that what we, we have taken this truth and we have exalted it to a level above all other truths. So when healing comes into our lives. And maybe you grew up and the, someone taught you that healing wasn't for today and all of a sudden you experience healing and you realize it's for today and you look at the scripture and you're like, it is for today. And what happens is you start talking about it and you start preaching it. and Then people start disagreeing with you. And so you start defending it. I mean, after all, God needs us to defend him. Yep. And so we defend it and, we, and then we start exalting it and that's all we talk about. Now, the gift of healing is for today. It's absolutely for today. God responds to faith the same way today that he did back in the scripture. God wants to use us to operate the gift of healing in people's lives, absolutely. But it's not a superior truth to anything else. In fact, the superior truth is the cross of Christ and me hidden in him. And so if you're gonna exalt anything, exalt that above everything else. In fact, some people take this book and they exalt it to an unhealthy level. I mean, we get to the place where we take this book and we, we know it inside and out, we're just like the Pharisees, and Jesus said, you study this book because you think it points to, to, to truth, it points to God, and I'm standing right here in front of you and you don't even recognize me. Why, because they took the scripture and they exalted it to a, an unhealthy level. Now yes, this book is infallible. Yes, this book is our life and our conduct. But yet there are people who know this book and can quote this book and yet treat others, brothers and sisters in the body of Christ like dirt. There are people who sit in church pews in the same church that don't talk to each other because of hurts. They avoid dealing with things because they don't want to deal with it. I'm not good at confrontation. Even though the scripture clearly says we should deal with it. And yet they exalt this book to a level, you know, that's where Jesus comes in and says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And so Paul begins to correct the teaching that this church has put into place. And what Paul says throughout this book is, I don't want you to be childish. I don't want you to be immature in the way you handle the abilities of the Spirit. Remember when we put the five gifts in the church, the apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, and evangelist. What were they for? They were to keep us grounded so that we wouldn't be tossed to and fro by everything that we hear, so that we would be mature and complete. Paul says these gifts of the Spirit have to be used in that way. The gifts of the Spirit can be the gifts of the Spirit, but used by an immature believer can be prone to error. And Paul says it's not okay because the Spirit of God is subject to the prophet, to the person. And so when the Spirit of God says, hey, I want this to operate, it can operate wrong. In fact, today, even right now, I'm, I'm sitting here in my brain having a conversation. How many of you can do that? You can do one thing and talk to yourself in the other. Because here's the thing. I felt like God put a passionate word in my heart today to share with you, but I felt like maybe it came across a little harsh, So the word that I shared that I felt like God wanted me to share in worship, because of the passion in my heart for it, maybe it came out a little harsher than I wanted it to. And so now I'm sitting here thinking, man, I really messed that up. God really had a word for us. And now people are probably angry or they're upset because they missed it because of me. It's still a word from God, but maybe you got a lot of garden hose today. You remember the analogy from Tim Enlow? The Holy Spirit is the water that comes through us, but if you've ever drank from a garden hose on a hot, sunny day, what's it taste like? Garden hose. And our job is to mature to the point that the Holy Spirit can flow through us and all people taste is Him. But just because you taste garden hose doesn't mean we throw it away. Because it's still water. Water it's still the Holy Spirit. And so Paul says, you've gotta understand this. Don't forbid speaking in tongues. And he ties all of this through throughout the scriptures. All right, so hold on one second. I gotta like figure out where I am because I covered some of this as we were reading through the passage. So now um, I need to figure out where we are. So. These different teachings that Paul says, some have the gift of healing, some have the gift of hospitality, some have the gift of leadership, some are an apostle. What he's saying once again is, we need the gifts that the Father gives, we need the gifts that Jesus gives, we need the gifts or the abilities of the Holy Spirit, all of them operating in our lives if we want to be a complete church. And then what he says at the end of this passage of Scripture, one more, we're going back, here we go. You should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. What that is saying is, at the end of all of this, when he says, you know, some of you are this, some of you are this, what you should do, what I should do as a believer is say, what is the most helpful gift in the moment? Now, if someone walks in and they need healing, we would assume that the most helpful gift is the gift of healing. They need healing. But sometimes, healing, sometimes. Emphasis added. Healing can be blocked by bitterness, unforgiveness, fear, something in our lives. And so maybe the most helpful gift in that moment is a word of knowledge. Maybe the most helpful gift in that moment is to distinguish between spirits. I mean, Jesus sometimes dealt with someone who had a physical issue and he cast a demon out. That doesn't mean everyone who has a physical ailment has a demon. So whatever the most helpful gift is. Now, once you have operated in a gift of the spirit, it's like you you know how to use it. It's like I, I know how the Spirit operates in that way, and so then we tend to think it's our gift. We tend to think, well, that's, I know how to use that one, so that must be mine. No, it's not yours. It's still the Holy Spirit. But you could actually learn to use all nine of them because you're going to be in situations where different gifts are needed and you might be the only one present. In fact, the Apostle Paul says if you give a message in tongues in a public worship service, you has, had better be ready to interpret it. See, we used to say, well, don't give a message in tongues if none of the interpreters are there. <laughs> That's the stupidest thing. All of us have the ability to interpret if we have the Holy Spirit in us. And he even says, if you give the message in tongues, pray also that you interpret it. In verse fourteen or chapter 14, verse 1, let love be your highest goal. But you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. See, what they were doing was not loving each other because they were misusing the gifts. They were not preferring each other. They were spiritual pride. You know, I'm more spiritual than you. And Paul writes 1 Corinthians 13, and it's a great chapter that we read at weddings. But what he's showing us is, if you remember the garden hose, we are the garden hose. And if the Holy Spirit coming out of us, if people are tasting garden hose, stop saying, well, you're just unspiritual and you don't recognize the Spirit. No, there's just a whole lot of garden hose. And so the Apostle Paul says, I don't care if you can work miracles, if you're like a loud bong, bong cymbals, you're not doing anybody any good. So you need to learn to love because the spirit of God is love. He is joy. He is peace. He is patience. He is kindness. He is gentleness. And so if you give a word that is, is a lot of garden hose, admit it and learn to let the spirit flow out of us without it. So in Luke chapter 24, this is where it all starts. Jesus is meeting with his disciples and he's about to leave. He's already risen from the dead and he says this to them. When I was with you before, I told you everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms that must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and it begins to talk about what he said to them. Now this is after his resurrection. He was with them for 40 days. There were about 120 of them. There were actually more at the beginning, but by the time he left, there were only 120 left. So what that tells us is, there were about 300 believers at the time that Jesus rose from the dead, people that were followers of Christ. And in the 40 days from the time he rose from the dead to the time he ascended, he lost 180 people. Hmm. Even Jesus couldn't keep everyone with him. He opened their mind to understand the scriptures, and here's the thing: when we start to open our minds to understand the scriptures, sometimes we don't like what it says, because the scripture doesn't just say, "Hey, your life from here on out is going to be fun and easy, and uh, no one's going to ever offend you or say anything mean to you or do anything bad to you." Uh, it's not just gonna; it's going to be hard. There's going to be persecution. There's going to be difficulty. There's going to be death. So then Jesus goes on and he teaches them about forgiveness of sins for all who repent and you're witnesses of this. I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Throughout the New Testament, it is important, just as it was important when Jesus taught his disciples for us to be filled with the Spirit to do the work of the kingdom. I know that because of abuse, sometimes we run from it and we think we can do it. But what I want you to understand is Jesus spent 40 days, a resurrected Jesus spent 40 days teaching these men and women the scriptures. You would think at that moment they would be ready to go out and change the world. But they waited 10 more days until the day of Pentecost had fully arrived and they began to speak in other tongues as the Holy Spirit was poured out with them. In Acts chapter 1, he gave them Luke's again, his account says, Do not leave Jerusalem. Till the Father sends you the gift he's promised. John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then in Acts chapter 2, all the believers, 120 of them, were meeting in one place. Can I tell you, they were not in an upper room. I know that we have this picture. Biblical time, none of these poor apostles would have had a room in their house big enough to seat 120 people. I tell you that because we want, we want the baptism in the Holy Spirit to be this personal, private thing and I don't want anyone to hear me speak in tongues and you know, it's, it's just reserved for my personal prayer time or it's just reserved for the church service, but the, the baptism in the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit were never meant to be reserved for our private time only and were never meant to be reserved for a church worship service. They were meant to be used in the marketplace and all through the book of Acts, they're used in the marketplace. It says, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And you say, well, look, Pastor, it says house right there. And that's the same word used for the house of God or the temple in Luke's gospel account. See, the temple in Jerusalem, this is a picture of the southern stairs to the temple in Jerusalem. And so what happens is people would congregate and they would be taught by other rabbis or teachers here. And on a time of feast, there would be thousands of people visiting the temple for the feast of Pentecost. And on these stairs, there are ritual bathing pools because you have to ritually bathe if you're gonna be cleansed to go into the house of the Lord, the temple. And so the disciples were probably sitting right here These 120 were gathered, and the Holy Spirit was poured out. There was a sound from heaven that was like a mighty windstorm, and the Spirit began to give them the ability to speak in other languages. And then there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem, and they heard the loud noise, and they came running. They heard the loud noise, and they came running. Now, I'm not advocating the gifts of the Spirit being a circus but I am advocating their use outside the walls of this building. And my guess is, if we're not comfortable enough to use them around each other, we're not comfortable enough to use them out there. And it says that we should eagerly desire them. What does that mean? Does that mean, well, you know, God, hey, I'm here at this church service today and, you know, if, if there's anything you want me to say or do, just, you know, prompt me and I'll, I'll just be here waiting Oh, I wish, I wish Stan was leading today. I like his songs better. Is that eagerly desiring? They came running, and then 3,000 people got saved and added to the church. 3,000 people. Now the only place to baptize them, 3,000 people, would be a nice stairway with lots of ritual bathing pools. It'd be really easy to get people in and out. Because there's not a river flowing through Jerusalem. But see, we've relegated this idea that you know they were hiding in the upper room because they were so afraid. They weren't afraid. They had just been 40 days with their risen Lord. They were chomping at the bit, ready to go. But he said don't go till you receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And some of us think, well, we don't really need the power of the Holy Spirit because we've got the scripture or we've got our understanding. These guys had Jesus teaching them for 40 days. 40 days he taught them. He opened their mind to the scriptures. See, in John chapter 16, Jesus promised that it was best for him to go because he was gonna send the Holy Spirit. And so, If he goes away, he's gonna send us the Holy Spirit. A couple chapters before that, he says, if you believe in me, you're gonna do the same works that I've done. You're gonna do even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name, and I'm gonna do it because the Son can then bring the glory to the Father. Ask anything in my name, and I will do it. Not because you get to do it, but because I'm gonna give you my Spirit, and he's gonna prompt you, and he's gonna do it because he wants to glorify me, and I wanna glorify the Father. This is how it's supposed to work. We can't let fear, misuse, or abuse, or anything stop us from what God wants to do. We're gonna be studying a book in a few months called Spread the Fire by Scott Wilson. And this is what it says. Trying to accomplish God's purposes without God's power and authority is like trying to drive a car without gas in the tank. We might push it until we're exhausted, but it won't go far. And so many times I feel like church ministry, this is exactly what we're trying to do. I mean, if we just had the right, the right method, if we just had the right this, if we just had the right that, if we just had more money, if we just had more people, if we just had this, if we just had a passion that comes straight from the Spirit of God that we stir up within our lives on a regular basis, if we just understood what God has placed in us, if we would just eagerly desire that gift to operate not just when we come to church, but operate in our lives everywhere we go, if we would just put some gas in the car, it might not be so hard to push it. Jim Cimbala says says it this way. How long has it been in many of our churches since God did awesome things that we didn't expect? What stops us from drawing a line in the sand and setting our hearts toward God in fervent prayer that he will come and revive his work in us as well as in our churches? Why don't we stop rationalizing and justifying the spiritual impotence all around us, not just humble ourselves, seek God with all of our hearts for something from heaven? Um, and if you read the context of what he's saying, Jim is not talking about something coming down from heaven. He's some- talking about something being stirred up within our hearts. But not just an emotional outburst, we're not just talking about, you know, a frenzy or an emotional experience. We're talking about lives being transformed by the power of the gospel. We're talking about people who literally were crippled being able to be, to walk again. People who were blind being able to see. Because all around our world today, in every denomination, miracles are taking place. Lives are being transformed by the power of the gospel. Not so much in America where we have become a highly sophisticated culture of unbelief. Because we've got lights, we've got fog machines, we've got method We've got got leadership principles. We've got all of the things that we need. We can push this thing without the Spirit of God. And yet, the church in other parts of the world is growing much like the church in the book of Acts. And the church in America, we're just shifting from one church to another. People aren't getting saved and set free and delivered. They're just going from this church to that church to this church to that church, looking for something on the outside to transform us when what has been sent to transform us is already on the inside. I challenge you to read through the book of Acts without any paradigm and begin, as I told you earlier, what would it look like if we just read the gospel for the first time and heard the message of Jesus for the first time without any understanding of the baptism in the Holy Spirit or the power of the Holy Spirit. Read the book of Acts and read passages in the book of Acts like Acts chapter eight where the apostles arrived to these new believers in Samaria and they asked them if they had received the Holy Spirit. He had not yet come upon them. They'd only been baptized into the name of Jesus. Now, we understand that when you get baptized in the name of Jesus, you have come to salvation, the Holy Spirit is living in you, but these disciples expected, as they did many other times throughout the book of Acts, that they would experience a power that comes from the Holy Spirit to put gas in their tank. Now, The gifts of the Holy Spirit do not have to operate in our lives. In fact, I'll put them up there for you. These are the gifts that are listed. This is not an exhaustive list, but this is what the Apostle Paul gives us. Wisdom is the ability to apply knowledge correctly. Knowledge is some fact, some data that you did not have. Okay, this is not suspicion. Well, I suspect that person has this problem. No, this is something supernaturally that comes to you that you had no way to know other than the Holy Spirit. Faith is faith beyond the faith of salvation. This is supernatural faith. Healing, miracles, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, and then I I lump these together, public tongues with interpretation, because they're lumped together. And I don't have time to teach fully on each of those gifts and how they operate, but this is the thing. They don't have to come with fanfare and flamboyance. Now, if it's a genuine gift of the Spirit of God, flamboyance may follow. Many times what I've seen in Pentecostal churches is the flamboyance comes, but there's no miracle. It doesn't have to, it's not how loud I pray, it's not whether I shake you when I pray, it's not whether you fall down when I pray. It's the power of God transforming that situation. And it can happen in a whisper. But if someone who is crippled gets healed, Listen, someone who cannot walk stands for the first time. They're not going to go, oh, (laughs) this is exciting. Are they? They're going to be a little more excited than that. That's the flamboyance that follows. Okay? But you, if you say, God comes to you, gift of healing. I want you to pray for them to be healed. I want you to, to declare healing over them. They're gonna stand up, they're gonna walk. And you do that, it doesn't have to be loud. You don't have to, in the name of Jesus. It doesn't have to be loud and flamboyant. It can be, in the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. And if it's a gift of the Spirit, they'll stand up and walk and flamboyance will follow. Do you, you understand what I'm saying? So you don't, It doesn't have to be loud. It doesn't have to be crazy, but it should be something. You know, our worship, our praise doesn't have to be loud, but it should be expressive. I mean, if God has really transformed us and we sing it, you know, there should be something that, man, God, you're pretty cool today. I love you. That's an appropriate form of worship. It's an appropriate form of declaring the praises of God. Here's another thing, like, the gifts of the Spirit are not just for, you know, spiritual situations. Let me let me say, you're, you're struggling. you got a problem at work and you can't get it out of your mind and you come to church and you wrestle with it and you're like, okay God, I, I'm not gonna think about it now but I'm, I just need to worship you. I need to forget about that thing and I'm gonna worship you. And you start, you get lost in worship, you're praising God and all of a sudden the solution to that problem comes to your mind. And you're like, I re- Satan, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Could that be a gift of wisdom that the Holy Spirit has provided for you to be able to solve a problem that you could not solve on your own because you got lost in him and that operates? So you know what you do? Write that thing down. Don't. I'm gonna write this and then get back to worship. God, thank you for that solution. I don't know why I didn't see it before. That's a supernatural gift of wisdom. Now, that gift of wisdom may come to someone else. I'm struggling. I don't know how to solve this problem and I'm worshiping God up here and I'm like, oh God, I'm trying to forget that problem. Stop it, Tom. Think about Jesus. Don't think, and you're over there and you get my solution. And you're like, well, that doesn't make any sense, God. I'm not gonna go over and tell Pastor Tom that because that doesn't make any sense. And you're like, okay, well, here we go. And I come over, Pastor Tom, I don't know what this means to you but baby giraffes. Sorry. Sorry. And all of a sudden, I'm like, thank you! I couldn't figure out what we needed to put in the nursery. I mean, that's a foolish example, but that's a gift of wisdom. It solves a problem that I had, and you didn't know that it was gonna solve that problem. So here's what you gotta do. You have gotta start taking steps of faith. When the Holy Spirit prompts you, you've gotta step out and do what he's asked you to do. What's the worst that's gonna happen? You're going to look like an idiot. That's the worst thing that's going to happen. Okay, maybe you'll get punched too, I don't know. But that's the absolute worst thing that's ever going to happen to you. But what's maybe the best thing that could happen? Maybe someone's life could be completely transformed. Maybe someone's family tree could be completely transformed. Maybe someone who's in a wheelchair might get up and walk. Maybe someone who was destined for hell might find eternity. That's the best thing that might happen. And so I challenge you to take that step. For some of you, it starts with the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I didn't spend a lot of time today talking about it, discussing it, but I promise you in November and December, we're going to discuss it in great length when we go through Spread the Fire by um, Scott Wilson. We've, I've already given you a quote from him. And we're going to talk about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Some of you have questions. You've got fears. You've got doubts. Let me ask you this. What are you doing to eagerly desire the gifts of God? Are you studying to get your questions answered? Are you talking to me, Pastor John, somebody else in the body to get your questions answered, to alleviate your fears? Are you praying, are you seeking, or are you just sitting back waiting for it just to come to you? Because if you're just sitting back waiting for it to come to you, you're gonna wait a long time. Eagerly desire the greater gifts. And so if you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, at the end of the service today, in fact, I want to have you stand with me. We're going to get ready to close. We'll give you an opportunity to receive that today. You just, if you know what you need to do and you just need to to quietly sit where you are or come find a place to pray, we're going to give you the opportunity to do that. But if you need someone to pray with you, you need someone to explain something to you, you need someone to answer your questions, we're going to be here for you. And we're going to give you the opportunity to ask those questions. We're going to pray for you, and we're going to believe God's going to fill you. At the end of the day, the Holy Spirit is going to fill you by faith. I want to share one last scripture. I didn't know if I was going to share it, but I'm going to put it up. I tell you, keep on asking and you'll receive what you ask for. This is Jesus. Keep on seeking and you'll find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open For everyone who asks and doesn't quit, receives. And everyone who seeks and doesn't quit, that's what the scripture literally says, finds. And everyone who knocks and keeps knocking, the door will be open. Do you fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit? those who ask him I don't stand in front of you today as someone who has got this all figured out I already told you it took me 22 years of a Pentecostal environment and a four years at a Bible college to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit to get to a place where I was actually comfortable to receive please don't be like me and wait 22 years in stubbornness for it just by faith begin to step out Some of you are so afraid because of your upbringing that you're going to be possessed by a demon or you're going to do something and God's going to smite you and you're going to to commit the unpardonable sin. It's not going to happen. If you stay grounded in this book, planted in the body of Christ and humble before the Lord, you're not going to be possessed by a demon. You're going to receive the Holy Spirit. Now, It's not gonna alleviate every thought and question and fear and doubt you have in your mind. There are days that I still have them, and I've been doing it a long time. There are days where I sit here and think, God, you know, I'm speaking in tongues right now, but I'm also having a conversation in my head. How do I know this is you? Yeah, I just admitted that to you. See, I have conversations in my head all the time. And in that moment, I have a choice to either give in to my reason, or to trust what this book says and give in to faith. And I trust this book. And refuse to trust my own reason and my own emotion. By the way, if my word today came across harsh to you, I apologize. I didn't intend for it to come across harsh. Please don't let the garden hose keep you from drinking the water of life. And so, Father, today, by the power of your Spirit, would you, according to your word, baptize those today who are seeking, who are hungry, who are waiting. Baptize them with your Spirit. Holy Spirit, fill them to full and overflowing. Give them that ability to to speak in that language that only you understand with them. To build up their inner man. Unlock for them the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven in, in new ways. The abilities that the Spirit provides. God, I pray for every one of us in this room. For those maybe that have received the baptism in the Spirit years ago, but have never operated in any of the giftings. God, may we not be satisfied. May we not be filled with spiritual pride like the members of the Corinthian church that think maybe we're at a higher level than another denomination because we've spoken in tongues and we've received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. May it never be. Humble us before you. Put in us an eager desire to be used by you Holy Spirit, help us to humble ourselves and to be willing vessels to be used at any moment, at any time, in any gift that you want. If you're here and you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit and you want us to pray with you, our prayer team is gonna join me here at the front. But I want you, as I conclude this prayer, I want you to slip out from where you are. And I want you to come, and I want you to stand here in the front. Or if you need prayer for something, and you have yet to be prayed for today, I want you to come, and I want you to stand here in the front. And uh, if you want to fill this altar and you want to kneel and pray, uh, that's going to be kind of the dividing line for us. It helps us to know whether you want to be alone with the Lord or you want us to pray with you. And so if you want us to pray with you, I want you to stand. If you want to pray by yourself, I want you to just find that place where you can kneel and be alone with Him. Maybe you just need to stir up the gift of God that's been in your life. If you're here and you've been baptized in the Spirit and you speak in tongues, but the gifts are not operational in your life regularly, I believe the gifts of the spirit should operate in our lives at least weekly if not daily because I know that I'm surrounded by people that are in need of a touch from God and I can't believe that the God who would give everything so that we could come into relationship with him doesn't also want to flow through my life to bring people into relationship with him and so if you need to take a moment to maybe stir up that gift or fan into flame, as the Apostle Paul says, that gift that God has placed in you, I wanna encourage you to do that. And so Father, may that gift be stirred up in our hearts and in our lives today and every day. And Now God, I pray your blessing over this body. Lord, would you bless them? Would you keep them? Would you cause your face to shine on them? Would you be gracious to them? Would you give them peace? pray it in jesus name amen and if you want prayer our prayer team is here in the front we'd love the opportunity to pray with you if you need to be dismissed uh, just do it quietly let this be a place of prayer for those that want to stay and pray for just a few more moments god bless you as you go